0: Welcome to the At The Hive podcast, part of the SB Nation Network of podcasts. On this episode of the show, you know what we're going to talk about. Kimball Walker is allegedly going to become and then return the hornets Terry rose year. We have a lot of thoughts on that. Zach's here already. We have a lot of thoughts on that. Zach has a lot of emotions on that. And I have less so on emotions, but a lot of thoughts as well. Uh, We also talk about the rest of free agency and how it affects the Hornets and what to expect next year without Kimball Walker as a Hornet because Kimball Walker is not a Hornet anymore and we are sad. The town. Hello, welcome to the At the Hive podcast, part of the SB Nation network of podcasts. I am Jonathan DeLong, as always, and I'm joined again, as always, by Zach and Zach. uh This is fine.
1: It is nothing is but fine, not really. Jonathan. Nothing it's is like fine. it's like
0: the meme. No, it's the meme where I'm the the dog, it's just with my nice coffee mug on the kitchen table, and uh-huh. the entire house is burning down. That's
1: that's what I mean by this is fine. It's a verbal meme, you see. Well, I want you to know that the house is burning down because I am throwing flames today. <laughs> I am the fireball Mario. I am going to form like Fultron and blast you with my shoulder missiles. Um, I'm st- <laughs> I, I want to get started right, right away, man. And I want to hear your takes on everything. It's been a crazy uh, three days.
0: Yeah, so it was like, just from the, I mean, obviously the whole free agency has been crazy, but from the Hornet side of things, it was like, oh, Kimball Walker, the, the Celtics are Kimba Kimball Walker. And it's like, ah, that's not a big deal. He's not going to leave. And then it was like the Hornets and Kimball are at a stalemate. Like, how are we at a stalemate? There's nothing to – there shouldn't be anything to negotiate. It's just like, Kimball, what do you want? This. Okay, that's your contract. And then uh, it's like, actually, yes, he's going to the Celtics. And, yeah, very, and I'm very just, sad.
1: Yeah, and just to make sure everybody knows, Kimball Walker has signed a four-year, $140 million contract with the Celtics. And in some way we're doing a sign and trade that is going to bring us back Terry Rozier.
0: Yeah. I still have no idea the whole, the whole way, whole way that's going to work. Um, I said in a comment, it feels like NBA teams just go out and just make these agreements willy nilly. And then they spend the next couple of days like, all right, how are we going to make this work legally? So it's just like, all right, Terry, here's your contract. He's like, sounds good. And like, here's your contract Kimba. And then they're going to go back after and be like, all right. Uh, this is how we have to sign it and this is the order we have to do it and this is who we have to trade and all that stuff and then they'll make it all fit so i have no idea how
1: that all like how that's all going to fit together yeah, me either how we're going to mechanically make it work to yeah. to destroy a nba franchise jonathan <laughs> is this is this a total mismanagement of an nba franchise i don't know how far you want to go back in the bad decision making the the, I don't know how they were even trying to build around Kemba to come to this point where Kemba mm-hmm. leaves. Uh,
0: it's 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 hard, and I know this is kind of a cop out, but I I I can never get overly upset with an organization just because there's so much stuff that we don't know. Especially when like Kemba, came, I don't. Know, did you read Kemba's Players Tribune piece today? No, I didn't okay so he like it, it part of it it's all a lot of thank yous a lot of thank yous to fans organizations and one of the things in there was like this is a class organization it was time for me to leave but I have no ill feelings towards the organization if anybody came to me asking my opinion I would tell them to sign there all that stuff so like there was no you know negative feeling implied or otherwise in that players should be in peace so I don't know if he just decided to, or with him and his people decided like, let's go to somewhere where we think we have a better chance to win. Or if the reports are true, where we just were like gave him an extraordinarily low offer. And he
1: just didn't even bother thinking about it. Those are the reports is that we, we sent him a pretty, you know, a pretty low ball offer, only $20 yeah. million dollars over what he actually got for four years. that we offer him for five years? That's a report. Yeah. We don't really know. Um, mm-hmm. what was offered and that piece is more a reflection of who Kemba Walker is than mm-hmm. it is about the Hornets organization yeah He's a stand-up guy and this has nothing <laughs> to do with him this has to do with people setting my favorite NBA franchise on fire <laughs> and all right so let's assume that they didn't know that this was going to happen mm-hmm. the, with that, which is giving them a lot of credit because I don't know how yeah. you can't know that this person is at least on the fence about staying mm-hmm. the other choices that they made before Kemba got here how about signing the Batum contract which even when it happened people were talking about that was a bad contract it was going to uh strap us for the cap not make us flexible for trades or anything like that how do you not do the um Frank trade you know the possible Frank trade. How do you trade Shea Gilders Alexander? Um when like that was someone who even if we kept Kemba could have been a really interesting piece with Kemba um who ended up winning rookie of the year, correct? Uh who? Shea.
0: No I Lu- no no Luca won Rookie of the
1: Luka Year. Luca won it. Luca won it. All right. He was in yeah, the run to win. Uh, uh Yeah, sorry, R- I,
0: I missed that. I was what? something caught my attention on my computer. But yeah, Luca won but Shay was good. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how far back it goes.
1: I don't know like, either. You know, but you're like, you, the only person, the only people to lay this at the feet of is upper management in the Hornets organization. Mm-hmm. Am I wrong? Yeah,
0: probably. I like I said. There's a chance that Kimba just decided that no matter what, how much, like what the the money was, that he was just going somewhere he thought he could win, or at least compete in the playoffs on a regular basis. But I fully acknowledge that if upper management did just kind of let that happen, it is very frustrating and very upsetting because it's like, I think also, you know, this whole front office has only been here for, I don't could, can possibly understand the entire like gravity of Kimball Walker as a person and his effect on the fan base as a whole, you know, then they
1: haven't been paying attention and they haven't been doing jobs. Um, I look, I am so upset, I think, that the entire upper management should be fired, and maybe that's a little bit of an overreaction, Jonathan. But, <laughs> like, what I'm upset about is that even if he would have signed, we were... If he would have signed, it would have been the best-case scenario, but it wouldn't have been a bad scenario, because we still would have been cap strapped and yeah. cap-strap for the foreseeable future.
0: Well, not the foreseeable future, it's just, like, one more year. Um, it was, like, the the... The thing I think that was kind of frustrating kind of uh, take, took a lot of people aback that haven't been paying super close attention to the whole cap situation and stuff was mm-hmm. like, all right, well, if Kimba's not coming back, how much cap space does that mean we have? And it's like a million dollars. It's like, wait, what? Yeah, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> we, have, we have no
1: good players and we have $6 million in cap space. Um, do, do you think that Michael Jordan or the upper management should address the public ad- address the the fans at all to that, tell them what the plan is what 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 they believe the future looks like
0: I that's the kind of the big question I come away with from from this with is what is the plan because the obvious answer should be well we're just going to let the young guys play next year and see what we've got and then build next summer um the terry was thing kind of counters that a little bit so i do want to know what their plan is i don't think they i'm not going to like demand an explanation yet i want to see how the rest of the summer plays out and if there's no clear direction by the end of like july i would probably want to hear some sort of explanation and like you know we're trying to do this or we want to do this but like i want i want to see what they do with the rest of their moves this summer cuz i think i think they can send a message for their plan based
1: on what they do over the next couple of weeks you know what i mean yeah i just don't understand why give <laughs> kemba why give kemba a low ball offer for 5 years and i guess that's so you can say that you did it um and Kemba yeah, the know. media kind of saying, hey, I want to take less or I can take less. But that wasn't even – I can't even believe he would consider that. So for Kemba Walker, in this weird um, sign-and-trade scenario, we're getting Terry Rozier for three years, $58 million, and it's all yeah, guaranteed. It's a good chunk of change. It's $20 million a that... year for eight
0: <laughs> points a game. Well, well he was on coming off the bench. Like he had from like 15 5 and 5 as a starter for his career, which is like 30 something games. Um the, the my only my main problem with that contract is that it's 3 years. Because that means it like one after this year, Marvin Williams, Michael Kidd Gilchrist and Bismack Biombo are off the books. The year after Cody Zeller and Nick Batum are off the books. So all of the big contracts are falling off and now we've added like a third one to the list who comes off three years from now, you know, it doesn't align with the other big deals on the team, which I would have preferred that we at least try to work like a team option in for that third year to try to, so like, if it doesn't work out, we can just wipe the slate completely clean over the next couple
1: seasons. Do you have a problem with the Hornets allowing, helping the Celtics with their cap situation? by taking Rosier <laughs> in the sign-in trade? Um, being complicit in allowing them to be more successful with Kimball Walker? Uh, well, <laughs> I yeah, don't want the, yeah. the, <laughs>
0: This is one of the things I said. I hate that he went to the Celtics just because I um, never want the Celtics to do well because I'm tired of Boston sports fans getting all the nice things because we get none of the nice things. And so now it's like, I want Kim to do well individually, but I don't want them to do too well because I don't want Boston to win stuff. So it's conflicted. But from the Hornet side of things, you kind of have to worry about your house, you know? Like, if we wanted Terry Rozier, which we clearly did for whatever reason, he wouldn't have been the top of my list, but that's another conversation. Um, we needed the Celtics to help us get him. So it's kind of like a scratch my back, I scratch yours. Now, if we go back and give them, like, give them an asset, a meaningful asset to get Terry Regier, that's going to look really bad.
1: He wasn't on the top of anybody's list, Jonathan. He's a poor man. <laughs> he was a poor man's Dion Waiters when he was a starter. We got three cents back on a hundred dollars. It was, it's. I am so upset about. I like. You could even make a case, like you were saying, to go with the younger players. Hey, we're rebuilding. We're going to make some moves to get some picks in the future. 2021 is coming around where we might get these mm-hmm. high school kids. But when you pay Terry Rozier $20 million guaranteed for three years, I don't know what you're saying to your fan base. Like, Yeah, that's the confusing part. Yeah, and <laughs> the the Boston thing, the fact that like Boston basically owns – the northeastern part of sports media. And if they're not talking about Boston, they're talking about the Lakers. They're not talking about the Lakers. It's the Clippers or the Warriors or the Knicks or the Nets. And, and specifically with the, with the Knicks and the Nets, they haven't been good in very many years. So it's not like, hey, we don't talk about the Hornets because they're not good. Knicks haven't been good in a long time. Nets haven't mm-hmm. been good in a long time. They talk about these. It's so, you have so much of an advantage if you live in a big market. Because you get all the media attention. Yeah. And like they, Bill Simmons, and I'm a huge fan of Bill Simmons, <laughs> was talking about Kemba going to the Celtics well before there was any ESPN report, well before there was a woge bomb. Like, and Bill Simmons does this thing where he's like just off the cuff, he's coming from his mind but bill simmons knows people in the in the celtics organization and i'm not saying that he did it on purpose i'm saying that he can influence people and he influence i think he could influence the trade market it's yeah. crazy to live in a world like that when you're a hornets fan or a hawks fan or something you know
0: yeah where it's just like it's kind of like how baseball is and in a sense where you kind of have to home grow your own talent and you have to strike while they iron's hot because they're always getting pulled to the the big clubs like the like the angels and the yankees and the red Sox and stuff in baseball and yeah. how it is here where like if you get superstar, star there's always this you know are they going to actually stay in like Giannis and milwaukee is he going to be happy in milwaukee or is he going to want to leave for new york and all that stuff and like <laughs> even though they're horribly run organizations which is i mean for at least for new york is kind of funny they've their free agency plan has been a big whip but we'll get to that later yeah, um, but like like the
1: rest of the team is a D League, a developmental league for
0: New York yeah. or for
1: LA or something.
0: Yeah, and then even yeah, and like even Miami's kind of got like they're not the market so much as like the mystique of Miami and Pat Riley and the franchise and stuff like that. Um, is there? So I'm taking you don't have any, you don't get any sort of consolation, or you don't feel any sort of consolation for the Hornets getting back Terry Rozier and getting some sort of return for Kimba, even if it's a really bad return.
1: If the contract was better, if the contract was even in the realm of it being an okay contract, yeah. we could talk about it, and I still probably wouldn't be satisfied. It's a horrible contract, and you could talk about uh, Terry Rozier kind of being a trade piece in the future if you wanted to, not for $20 million. I mean, unless he <laughs> becomes something more than what he has been in his history, you know.
0: It depends on the type of trade chip he is. Um it with like the whole if if you wait two years and there's an expire you can use them as an expiring and all that stuff. Which yeah. as Hornets fans we've seen how well our expiring contracts are doing right now. Um, there's still time, but so far the the idea of having expiring contracts has done nothing for us.
1: Ah, uh, correct. And the draft picks that we've used um, when we've had opportunities have been not great. I mean one day we certainly need to list everybody mm-hmm. that has been drafted in the first round for this organization since it came back and yeah. it's a it's a sad sad <laughs> list.
0: It's not a very good list unless you like keep Tobias Harris on the list said it was one of those we technically drafted him even though we had already agreed to the trade beforehand
1: type of things. The Kobe Bryant type of deal if you will. And here's the thing, Jonathan, when my favorite player of all time Bought my favorite, my the only franchise I've ever rooted for. It was one of the greatest. <laughs> it was a really great sports moment for me. Yeah. And then he got the name back. He got the Charlotte Hornets back, and I was even more excited. And ever since then, it's been downhill. And <laughs> I always mean, want Michael Jordan to own the the Charlotte Hornets. Um, But the upper management either his decision-making has to change when it comes to basketball operations or he needs Mm -hmm. to get someone in there who has a voice that can in some way compete with his
0: i want to say Midge kubchak is that voice because of his track record with the lakers um i guess i still that's hard to say obviously it's it's the same thing like i was saying earlier when you don't know like the inner workings of a team and who's making what decisions and stuff like that, it's hard for me to get overly put too much blame in one spot because I just don't know where to go with it. But I, when we hired Mitch Kupchak, instead of someone like Gerson Rojas, who is like the hot name um, among potential front office executives, my, my big t- like selling point to myself was that, you know, Mitch Kupchak is an established name. He won championships with the Lakers he if anybody can get Michael Jordan to just be like take his hands off the off the team and let the 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 front office people do front office things, Mitch Kupchek's the guy to do that. So his decision in the last few years of LA though was questionable. It was not great. Yeah, I know. That was the my And the, and the Kup, other and Kupchak, side of my brain telling me not to like that, yeah.
1: Yeah, and Kupchek did the SGA trade and I, I realize that that's new, and that Miles Bridges could be the second coming of Larry Johnson, but because we have that such a need now, imagine if we had SGA, we wouldn't have made the the Terry um, sign and trade. You know, we would have been a little bit of a different position. And then we go and we we um, draft PJ Washington, who again I have some hopes for P- PJ Washington, but we need guards now we need guards yeah but if we take malik monk might be a starter on this team jonathan are you (laughs) afraid of that well he won't be we have uh
0: it'll be bacon bridges and somebody power forward. but if we didn't take bridges we would need a forward so either way like we're gonna have a hole on the roster like a glaring massive hole on the roster so um and i still like bridges better as a prospect than shea so that that doesn't got that doesn't mean y'all bent out of shape or anything um I don't know. Is there anything else you I know you have more to say about Kimba, just anything else, let it all out.
1: Um the only so first of all, he didn't owe us anything. It was amazing yeah. while he was here. He was the only reason um to go to Charlotte Hornets games for years upon years. Um, you know, it it was awesome being a fan of the it was awesome being a fan of the Hornets because Kimba Walker was there and it would have been way worse if he wasn't there. Um I hope he personally does well. I just hope he gets traded off the Celtics tomorrow for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> it's, hey, and you know what? There's still
0: hope. He could always change his mind and come back. Yeah,
1: and I do think that Michael Jordan or someone in upper management needs to address the public. And just like the Knicks uh did it a couple days or yesterday, uh-huh. um, kind of talking about, you know, what their decision making was. Look, I know you can't you can't I know there's some huge plan that you secret plan that that you guys have that you can't give away. <laughs> but I need you to address us and you know at least say thank you to Kemba and say we understand that this is a big loss for the city.
0: They they did do that. I'm um, gonna, Mitch Kupchak and Michael Jordan both released statements today. Yeah. Um, so there, but they were they're pretty brief. Um, let's see. Michael Jordan just kind of thanked him and said he's dis- we're disappointed he's leaving. Called him a special player and wished him all the best. Uh, Mitch Kupshed said, it's hard to get a true understanding of someone until you're around them on a regular basis. And I've joined my time with Kimbo over the year that I've been here. After watching him in practice, seeing him interact with his teammates and getting to know him, it quickly became apparent that he's a special player in person. We thank him for his contributions to our franchise and our community and wish him to continued success in the future. So those are the, from uh, Jordan and cupcheck those were the their yeah, like, statements. Y'all
1: should have paid him his money. That's all I <laughs> say, to be you, um, there are other people who left the team. We can, we can. Well, Kemba's going to come up probably as we continue to speak a little. Yeah, bit. I did have one more thing to back to what I said, and this is what distracted
0: me earlier when I stopped listening to you for a second. Um, <laughs> so, which, Again, sorry about that. But uh, you know how I said NBA teams seem to just kind of like make all these commitments and figure out how to make it work later. Yeah. Um, Mark Murphy, who is. He covers the Celtics for the Boston Herald. Tweeted, uh, per source, Celtics don't know yet, I uh, don't know yet know which mid-level exception they can use in wake of Walker, Rozier trade. That will be part of their focus during the moratorium. So yes, they don't know what they're doing yet. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, they literally are like, all right, we don't know what exception we have. Um, We'll use the next couple of days to figure out what exception
1: we can use to sign new players. And all that. Do you think stuff. there's so, yeah. any chance of a possible something coming back to us? There's just no reason for them to do that, right? No.
0: The only... So the only incentive for the Celtics, from my understanding, and the expert by any means, is the benefit for the Celtics to get Kimba in a sign-and-trade is it allows them to bring back like Marcus Morris with bird rights, and it gives them a mid-level exception instead of a room exception, which is like $5 million a year difference that they can use on players. Because... For them to sign Kimball Walker as a free agent, they have to renounce all their cap holds, which means they can't go over the cap to re-sign any of their free agents, and that will give them no room to sign anybody other than the room exception. So for their end, it helps to trade for Kimball Walker while they're over the cap, because then they can stay over the cap and use all those other exceptions. So there's incentive for them to do that.
1: I'm hope. i glad glad the Charlotte Hornets could help. I'm glad (laughs) they But well,
0: on that side, on that end, I hope that's enough incentive for them to help us. Because if they pry an asset out of us, Campbell Walker, and we can get Terry Rozier, uh, Mitch Kupchak might as well just pack up and go home. Like that's a, that's even if it makes sense from a basketball standpoint and a front office standpoint, which it really probably won't. But the optics of it to say the sign and trade in which. The, Kim, the, the Celtics received Kimball Walker and a draft pick and the Hornets received Terry Rozier it just looks horrible. Like you can't, it's, I don't think you can overcome that from a PR standpoint. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week you're hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media and entertainment
1: and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Last year, at the trade deadline, if you weren't willing to go the full $221 million, with Kemba Walker, um, then why not trade him? There was offers, you know, reported offers out there. If you, if you were like thinking that, Hey, we're saw and we're, we're definitely not going to offer him the, the max, maybe he'll take something smaller than that. Let's look at possible trade, you know, avenues. It's irresponsible that you, you lost someone like Kemba Walker for nothing. And I'm saying for nothing because it's a sign and trade. It's, it's basically nothing. And like you said, we might have to give something up.
0: I, um, the only thing with that is I think there was hope, be it misguided or not that the Hornets could make the playoffs last year. And if we made the playoffs last year and kind of made some noise, even if we didn't advance, you know, just kind of prove that we belonged in the playoffs to an extent that that would be enough to show Kimball Walker, like, look, we're moving in the right, right direction and you can win here. And that was, I think, that was what they kind of pinned their hopes to. And like I said, it might be a stupid idea, but I think that's where they,
1: their mind was. And it sounds like I'm I'm calling it a bad call because I saw it miss the basket, right? But people were talking <laughs> about, hey, if you have any yeah. doubts that you're gonna not going to be able to re-sign Kimball Walker, you should really look into trading him at the trade deadline. It's not like this mm-hmm. is hindsight. People were actively talking about it all the time. And every time the Hornets have... Do something, draft a player. A lot of the times, the question is why. Why are they doing this? <laughs> what are they? Th- what's the thinking behind it? Um, that happens a lot in this organization.
0: It sure does. It
1: absolutely does.
0: Um, which so pivoting away from that, do you understand why Frank and Jeremy Lamb are gone? And to contextualize that, Frank Kaminsky, about like an hour before we got on to record this, signed a two-year, ten million dollar deal with the Suns and Jeremy Lamb signed a I think it was a 3 year like $30 million deal with the Pacers. So they are both also not Hornets anymore.
1: Thoughts. All right, so so I want to take them individually and we'll go with Frank first yeah, cuz yeah, I yeah. think it's it's the easiest one. Um so we had a chance to match that salary, correct? He was a uh, if, if restricted. If, if we extended a qualifying offer, yes, which we didn't do. Which we decided not to do before he had the offer for the Suns.
0: Yeah, it was like you give him the qualifying offer, which for him was like seven million dollars or something, which which was less than he ended up signing for actually.
1: And if somebody, if he signs a deal somewhere else, he has the right to match. Yeah, and my thoughts are they knew that Kemba wasn't coming back. Kemba's not coming back. There's no way we're going to compete. So why pay Frank? Yeah, I don't think there's any
0: reason to bring Frank back what I think a lot of people are very caught up in his strong play to finish the season and I think a lot of people have forgotten that he's done that literally every single year of his career where he plays really really poorly for like 75 percent of the season and then for the final 25 percent of the season he just it all clicks and he finishes strong He's done that all four years.
1: You have a theory theory on this, don't you? It's the March Madness Theory. (laughs) Like at the end of the season, he kicks it into gear. I don't know what I can't remember what it was, but it's just like I looked it up every single season.
0: There's no exception. His late season numbers, both like shooting percentages and averages, are all significantly higher after the all-star break than before the all-star break. So just because Frank finished strong it does not mean he's going to continue to play strongly because it's that's been the trend for his entire career. And it's a four year sample out of a four year career. So I feel pretty strongly that Frank it the odds of Frank be ever becoming like a consistent player like we saw at the end of this season are not that
1: high. And he's about to go to a team. He's just going to be below five hundred in the desert versus being below five hundred yeah. in beautiful Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah, and that's so. uh, I'll be interested next few years.
0: I I will be interested to see what he does in Phoenix because it's just a that that team is just such a weird combination of players.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. Um, what point guard did they sign? They signed somebody. Ricky Rubio. Yeah, Ricky Rubio. I've so Ricky Rubio,
0: Devin guy. Booker, Kelly Oubre. I think is back. DeAndre. I mean, maybe maybe Frank will start with DeAndre Ayton, but they only gave him five million a year, which isn't a lot, especially because I like, saw things where. Uh, he would have significant interest on the market. And normally that would drive the bidding up a little higher than $5 million a year. But
1: this I market, specifically this free agency market this year, has been crazy. People <laughs> getting really weird amounts, like not even breaking the books, yeah. but sometimes shorter amounts to stay with teams. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, what did
0: you think of... And also Jeremy Lamb leaving, I thought, made sense too, just because as good as Jeremy Lamb was last year and helpful as he was last year being the second best player on the team I thought I don't with the 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 team seems to be going in a direction where they want versatile two-way players that everybody can dribble pass shoot defend Jeremy Lamb isn't quite that like he's helpful but he's the style of basketball isn't the best fit for what I think James Borrego and the front office want to do, because he's very isolation heavy. He's kind of ball dominant, but he's not quite efficient enough to be a ball dominant player on a good team. You know what I mean?
1: I totally do. And you know, he's not been in the year, in the league for two years. He's been in the league for a long time. So although yeah. he he showed some growth last year, you're seeing what you're going to get from Jeremy Lamb
0: yeah like this is his um, third contract like he's he's gonna be he's twenty seven which obviously he's still got some room to grow but he's not going to take an ex like a giant leap forward to become
1: like a next the next level of player yeah and i mean don't you burn it down or i mean like signing jeremy lamb i guess just like uh signing Terry Rozier, wouldn't <laughs> it's not where you need to be going like i would be trying to hit the salary floor and um Trading assets assets to get draft picks right now because that's where you need to be going as a team, a total reset.
0: Yeah, you need to try to use like the Michael K. Gilchrist, Bizmott Biombo, Marvin Williams contracts. Um, I probably want to keep Marvin here just because I don't know how important veteran leadership is, but if if it is important, Marvin Williams is definitely the guy for that. But um, especially with MKG and Biz, if you can get a team that's trying to get off some money, that's got like two years left on a deal that they're trying to get off of one year early – and see if you can squeeze a draft pick out of that. Like that's what we need to be doing, this summer and next summer with Batum and Cody, to try to collect assets so that we have assets to either trade or, you know, actually use to pick players. Like what see, the
1: guys have done. I agree. I agree with all that. I would go further and say, hey, anybody have any feelings on Malik Monk? Um, <laughs> what what can we get a, a draft pick out of trading Malik Monk? Um, Miles yeah. Bridges. Although I really like Miles Bridges, he's on the trading block too, man. I don't understand who is untouchable on this team. It's a without Kimball Walker, it's a it's a twenty five win mm-hmm. team. No, and I the reason I think Bridges and Washington are
0: fine is because I think they're they've no, they've shown enough to where they should be good NBA players no matter what, and you need good NBA players to have a good NBA team. If you can Malik Monk is very far away from being a good NBA player right now. If you could get a decent asset, like I wouldn't just sell them all for like second round picks, but if you can, you know, sell high on him to a team that thinks that he's just in the wrong situation and will give you a first round pick or like a more proven player
1: that's still young enough, obviously I'm, I'm for that. Are you ready to report on like, barely NBA players for the next two years? Let's, let's, (laughs) you want to delve into that area right now? How's the content machine running, my friend? In a way, it's
0: easier, because there are no expectations, and so there's no disappointment when things go poorly. Like, I I was, and I know you were too, but you weren't really around, like, at the Hive, back when it was Rufus on Fire, Um, when the Hornet, or when the Bobcats were just losing as many games as a a person can realistically tolerate and the atmosphere (laughs) the atmosphere on online and obviously that's not life but online is very different just because it's like you just you pick you pick things to root for and they're unaffected by wins and losses like you want to see the young players play well and you want to you like look at spot track and you see that the team has 45 million dollars in cap space this year and you just you you have dreams and hopes and everything's happy even though the team's losing when the team is like the hornets were this year where we were trying to win and not winning probably more frustrating and probably more frustrating to cover too
1: yeah uh, uh, i understand that though it's there's a lot of drama in that too Mm mm-hmm I don't know if Michael Jordan is going to allow this team to do that. He I am scared of that too. Yeah, yeah, we we could be signing some people for a lot of money who have no business making that amount of money. That's really what I could see happening. The 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 good thing
0: or the the reason to feel a little bit better about that is I don't know who's left. Like for this summer. Like I don't remember free agency coming in and going that I mean it's still going obviously but that much happening
1: that quickly as it did on Sunday I'm going to admit something to you now Jonathan I yeah. didn't watch anything for the for the previous like 24 hours before it uh-huh. started and then basically 12 hours after it started because I was that upset about the Gambit Walker thing I didn't want so I to I have see anything I didn't want to hear anything I was so upset man
0: so I have Twitter notifications turned on for Woj and Shams, um, you know, the two premier NBA newsbreakers. And it's usually just so I know what's going on. And especially it's helpful for if anything significant happens to the Hornets, and I'm not paying attention. It's they usually are the ones to break it. And so my phone was buzzing constantly from like 530, basically <laughs> until like midnight. <laughs> like So like I was at the I was at the lake on Sunday and I was looking at my phone more than a person should when they're at the lake. But at one point we were like on the boat and I put my phone away for like 20 minutes. Cause I was sitting on the back, like let my dog swim around. And I came back in to the boat after like 20 minutes away from my phone. And I legitimately had like 15 Twitter notifications from Shams and Woj breaking news.
1: It's a quick and market. So, You're right about it was there not quick. being a lot of players for Michael Jordan to spend money on this year, but that's not even what I'm talking about, Jonathan. I'm saying when we have cap space, when we have moves to make um the because he'll not he'll want this to be a one year turnover at the minimum, um, because he wants to win all the time. That's what I'm afraid of at least.
0: Yeah, if it makes you feel any better, we have like forty right now we have like forty five million dollars in cap space. It'll probably be down in the mid thirties with cap holds and draft pick signings and stuff. But yeah. After the Terry Rozier trade, we'll have about thirty-five to forty million dollars in cap space next year. If that makes you feel any better? It doesn't at all. What do you think about DeMarcus Cousins? <laughs> Get Terry Rozier and DeMarcus Cousins. Versus... He's still on the market. Probably not yeah. a. Probably not the best team, but um. Oh, you don't
1: think so? <laughs> no, nah, not the best. I
0: just say I just said not the best. Yeah, and also probably not good either.
1: Uh, Do you want to look at the what the team looks like? Like, right now, what the team looks like next year. So, right now,
0: I think the starting five opening night is Rosier, Bacon, Bridges. I think they'll still start Marvin and Cody. At least, yeah, you know, like, as it stands right now, I think Washington can very quickly take over for Marvin. But I think, I don't think the team wants to throw him to the Wolves too quickly and hurt his confidence and stuff like that. But I think... Depending obviously on what other moves are made, I think it's uh, Rozier, Bacon, Bridges, Washington, Cody, Zeller for the I don't know the desirable starting lineup for the team going forward.
1: I hope you're right about Bacon. I could see them starting Batum at least at the beginning of the year. Um,
0: the only reason I don't think we do that is because we ended the season with healthy Batum coming off the bench after Bacon, and I don't think we'll switch that with a team with no expect with you lose jeremy lamb and kimball walker and you replace him with terror i don't think we're like all right let's go back to the old guys
1: that weren't working last year
0: at yeah, least i would and, hope
1: not you know with all apologies to our uh colleague andrew waters i'm not sure bacon is the future either i don't know what um <laughs> where he can go what his is is ceiling is but i could see it not being that high um, you know, yeah, he, had a, he had a great 2019, 18 in context, um, for what he was doing previously. I mean, this guy was in the G league mm-hmm. for what a third of the season, something like that. A lot. Yeah.
0: yeah. I, um, he was better last year than I expected him to be after his rookie year. Um, I still think his ceiling for a good team is like a bench player like a seventh or eighth man on the like on the roster like not even like a sixth man just like a steady that he should probably focus on being a three and d player i know he's a good isolation scorer but if using dwayne bacon isolation
1: scoring is your go-to offense you probably don't have a very good offense yeah which is a good assessment of what next year's team is gonna, <laughs> gonna look like
0: yeah who do you think leads the team in
1: scoring next year Oh man, that's a that's a fantastic question. <laughs> I, I that's I think that Terry Rozier takes the most shots. Mm-hmm. Um, man. Yeah, I guess you have to say him because who else is leading your scoring? Like, do you think that that Miles? I I I don't even know. I can't even picture. <laughs> like, give me an NBA comp from what Miles could become if he is the number one scorer on the team, right? Yeah, I don't know. Off I don't the top know either. <laughs> he's not really. He's not really the standout outside the, the three point line shooter. He can he can knock down that shot. I believe he can develop that shot, but I don't think it's yeah. going to be his main scoring yeah. um thing. I, I just don't know. He's a he's a big. And I I mean, this is what I kind of expected
0: from coming in. So this isn't a knock by any means, but he's a very much like a, a garbage bucket getter and all around player. He's not as he's not a guy you want ever to lead your team in scoring like he can be. I think his ceiling in my mind was always like a good defender that can average like 18 a game off. Just like, you know, three to four threes and a couple offensive rebounds and some cuts and stuff like that but he's never going to be a guy to average like 20 points a game unless things are going terribly terribly wrong or terribly
1: terribly well and he's developed a lot further than anybody expected. Right. So I would say uh, Scary Terry is our <laughs> leader in points for the year unless something else happens in free agency. Yeah. So let me ask you this this connected to that. Where would you what where would I have to put the over under on wins for you to go over, right? So if I said that this team is going to win 35 games, would you say over under. or under? 35? What are you under? I agree. So if I put smashing that 20, the under, 25? 25. 25 is probably where
0: I put the line. I yeah. wouldn't. I wouldn't feel comfortable enough to like. If you said the Hornets over under is 25 right now, I would say I'm just going to abstain from from betting on that.
1: Yeah, and if it's if it's over 35 wins, then you're doing it wrong. You're doing a franchise mm-hmm. wrong. Because it's if it's th- over 35, it's 38 and you still don't make the playoffs and you don't get the, a good draft pick on the other side. The only exception to that is if
0: the play if the team as constructed right now makes it to like almost the playoffs and they do so on the backs of like Bridges and Washington and Bacon and Monk. Okay, because they're going to only get better. If we throw like Batum and MKG and Marvin out there for significant minutes, and they are the ones that somehow scratch and claw to 35 wins, that's a bad thing.
1: If we make it to the playoffs with the, the team as currently constructed, <laughs> I will buy a Terry rosier Boston Celtics jersey and wear it <laughs> around the city. That, that's it's not going to happen.
0: No. But I'm saying if a team is unexpectedly good with young players, it's kind of like it'll be very similar to the Kings situation last year. Like, I don't think the Kings are mad that they almost made the playoffs last year because it was De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald and uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich and all that and Marvin Bagley,
1: you know? Yeah, but that's a totally different situation because both uh, Fox and Bagley, that's, you have a core there. You have some type of young core, a building thing. What Name our young core besides what, bridges name our young core That's what i'm saying one. yeah no that's what i'm saying though
0: if, if they if they would become the young core if they like i don't think they'll be that good but if they came back that good and were like that good with this young core that would be our young core even though they weren't high picks but i don't think it's gonna happen if they it would just be like all of a sudden Malik monk is making 45 percent of his shots and playing defense and pJ washington is better than advertised and miles bridges is, is like creating shots for himself off the dribble we're like, okay, now we're working with something. Like we've got some good young pieces to build around, but I don't think that's going to quite happen.
1: I don't think so, so either, yeah. man. And I hate this. I hate being the negative person about my favorite <laughs> team. You know, I don't want to have this discussion, but I think if you if you're being truthful, then you have to say what the situation is. Do you think in two years, like best case scenario? What do you think happens over the next 2 years? Do you want them to just keep losing games for the next 2 years and get good draft picks or do you want them to be a player in free agency especially when the contracts come off the books next year? I think I think they need to have multiple
0: plans in place based on how this coming season goes. Like this coming season we need to pretty much go in to the like go into the season as is and then Like I said, if the young guys overachieve, you can maybe look at accelerating it a little bit. Um, If things go as expected, then you just need to keep, like, you need to use the cap space you get for absorbing trades and picking up assets for another year at least and see what you got. And then just kind of like evaluate it year to year until you feel like you have young enough, good enough young building blocks to start trying to use free agency
1: to fill in gaps. Uh, yeah, I mean, but that's I, that's smart. And the yeah. fact that you said you should have multiple plans, you should really write mm. that in a letter to Kupchak about <laughs> multiple plans. If certain things happen, like make yeah, sure you pivot, yeah. it, you know. Yeah, yeah I don't Brugy think you should ever none of those plans,
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, not would not have been in my plan, but yeah. I don't think you should ever go. And it worked out for Philadelphia, but I don't think you should ever go the route where you've already decided what you're going to do, like in twenty twenty one in the year 2019, you know, cause you never know what could happen. Like I said, all of a sudden, cause I know, I know these young guys are real close and they've all been working real hard this summer to get better. If you've like already made up your mind that we're going to tank this year and next year, but then like Dwayne Bacon and Miles Bridges both come in and start a- and average 22 points a game and you win 41 games. You're like, well, what are you going to do? Just like try to lo- like make them not play. So we lose games. Cause that was the plan. So, you know, you have to be
1: ready for everything. Yeah, and it, to even say that it worked out for the 76ers is to say that, <laughs> you know, going to right before the conference finals is working out. Um, yeah, I think they haven't play, even gotten to the wrong. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if you saw that.
0: And all the hubbub yesterday. What was it? They have Al Horford now.
1: Oh, yeah, I did see that. Um, no more Jimmy Butler. No more Jimmy Butler, no more J.J. Reddick, no more shooting. Mm-hmm. I know uh, Horford can shoot like one or two three pointers a game. Um, he's a good three-point shooter. He just needs a lot of space to get it off because he's got a
0: pretty slow release. Yeah. Um. If real quick though, if among all of the uh, stuff going on yesterday, also oh, the Warriors got D'Angelo Russell. Like, how ridiculous is that?
1: I. That is crazy. And also. I read something right before we got on here about the idea that the Warriors could trade D'Angelo Russell um, immediately for something else. I don't know. Yeah, that team, that team really does play four-dimensional chests. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, they they operate on a totally different level. I can't believe players voluntarily leave a team like that mm-hmm. um, with the amount of talent that it has. And with the organization, the management as well. Yeah, like um, how
0: they're so competent.
1: Yeah, and I don't know what his role is going to be on that. I think that any time where Steph doesn't have the ball, it's kind of you want Steph to be to have the ball to be making the decision for that team. Mm-hmm. But heck, man, you know, even as a a secondary uh, ball handler, it'd be a great addition to the
0: team. Yeah, I think he's supposed to be like Clay Thompson when Steph's on the court, and then Steph Curry when Steph's off the court. Obviously not as good as either one of those but in that role. Um anyway, to me I want to wrap this up with something that might make Hornets fans feel a little bit better. Okay, good um,
1: because I'm going to wrap it up the opposite way. Go ahead. <laughs> well, at least we're not the Knicks. Okay, so what did, what why do you say that? What did the Knicks do worse or how are the Knicks in a worse position than the Hornets?
0: So the Knicks Basically, they traded Kristaps, who was had, and every cap space. They didn't even really acquire assets in terms of draft picks or anything like that. They just it was just cap space, cap space, cap space. Yeah, they got they a first
1: round to- coming from the Mavs in like. Oh, they do have Mavericks picks.
0: That's true. But, yeah. Um, but the, the Mavericks should be good, so they're not going to be you know great right. picks. So most likely. Anyway. It was just cap space, cap space, cap space, because we're gonna get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving or Kawhi Leonard or it, just somebody good, and they got Julius Randle and Bobby Portis and Reggie yeah. Bullock. Yeah, Their first three signings that they I I saw, I saw announced for them were all power forwards: Julius Randle, Bobby Portis, and Taj Gibson.
1: They have a lot of young guards there, right? Neilaquina. Neil um, Knox it, is Knox. Knox is a forward. He's a forward, and who's also a power forward. So I
0: don't know. Well, I guess. And yeah, then they had great. Dennis Smith Jr. and Tilaquina. They also signed Alfred Payton. So I'm not exactly sure. And they signed Wayne Ellington too. I think. Um, yeah, they did. So I'm not exactly sure what the Knicks
1: are doing. Yeah, and I, I'm looking at it now. It's all two year. They're around about all two year deals. They're all two year deals. Every single one's a two year deal. Which is a good cadence to be on. That's why you don't add that third year twenty million dollars for Terry Rozier.
0: Um, spot Track right now. Unless it's are all of them are are team options for the second year. So, uh, wow, those are those are not bad contracts. <laughs> if this is accurate, they're going to have Julius. They'll have exactly two players on their roster this time next year. <laughs> well, or. three. Um, Love RJ Barrett, who's not on there yet because he hasn't signed yet. So three players are guaranteed to be on their roster the next summer, and then they'll do this again. They'll go for like Andre Drummond and whoever else, and then probably whiff again, and they'll try again, try to get Giannis and stuff like that.
1: But Jonathan, I guess Jonathan, do you know about do you know what quantum physics is? Yeah, do you know that they that the idea is that there are multiple. Um, universe realities yeah, yeah exactly do you believe that we were living in the darkest timeline the <laughs> darkest charlotte hornets timeline um where like the kimball walker was an amazing basketball player and all that type of stuff but he was also a quality person to employ someone yes. that you were proud to be a, a fan of and who didn't go on twitter and start fights and and mm-hmm. start um Uh, like burner Twitter accounts to to yell at people and then to get figured out. Didn't have anything personal going on that anybody cared about or was really just a value add to your community. And you had a chance to re-sign him. A large amount of money for sure. Maybe it would make us too cash-strapped. But when you have the opportunity to sign someone of the quality basketball talent and the quality person I can't believe we can't get that done. Um, and it really, it really upsets me. I hope I've made that abundantly clear on this <laughs> podcast that I, you know, I think, I think
0: people will come away after listening to the show and have a pretty good idea of uh, your, <laughs> uh, f- your feelings about the Kimball Walker situation.
1: Well, then I've done my job.
0: I've done <laughs> my job, Jonathan. So, yeah. So <laughs> that's all I needed to do. This is the, the, the 45 minute Zach vent session.
1: <laughs> perfect no you, no you no
0: you did you did actually uh, it's not like you just ranted about nothing there's actual substance behind it but i'm i'm very sad i was actually like really really sad like i never have felt that sort of like sadness over sport before because it's just sports and as much as i love sports and obviously like it's most of my life that I can dedicate to it is dedicated to it. I've never let it like affect me emotionally because it's just sports. But when I, when I saw that Kimball Walker was going to leave, I was actually like legitimately sad.
1: Yeah. And of course all all of this is in the context of this is sports and there was voices going on and that kind of stuff, but it did make me upset. And yeah, like I told my girlfriend that Kimball
0: Walker was leaving and she looked like she was about to cry and she told her little sister, the same thing. And she looked like she was about to cry.
1: My wife, who doesn't care about sports, is upset. My mother-in-law, who has maybe hasn't seen a Hornets game since they were played down the road, um, was upset that Kimber Walker was leaving. Yeah, you're really losing a quality person here, and I just I know that it happens this is sports it happens but i am upset and i'm upset in the circumstances that it happened that we couldn't find the right team to put around him so that he could be successful in this place versus a large uh market like that, boston
0: yeah i think the, the most frustrating part is yeah it's like over all this time he's been here we've never cuz he's been it's been 4 years basically since he's been a playoff caliber player And that the front office has not been able to put anything like it shouldn't be that hard to build a playoff team around Kimball Walker.
1: No, and we just like
0: we did it. we, We failed to do it year, several years in a row,
1: multiple times with not only free agency, but also in the draft as well. Yes.
0: And what I hope in office, so it's a little more difficult for them to learn from the mistakes of the previous front office. But from a fan's perspective. Do not lock yourself into anything for four years because it could go south very quickly. Because we signed Batum for five years, Marvin Williams for four years, MKG for four years, Cody Zeller for four years. And when it didn't work out, we had no way to change course. Like I said, having multiple plans of action, that was our plan. And that was the plan we were stuck to for several years, no matter how it went and when it went south that we just have to sit there and hope it
1: gets better the next time. And it never did. And it has to be said again. Yes, we're talking about it from hindsight, but it was said when those deals were signed that they were not great deals to be making.
0: Yeah, and I understand to an extent, because we won 48 games when we gave Nick and Marvin those contracts. But the length of the contracts is like, I thought at the time, but in hindsight, for sure, way too long. For all of them, like, in isolation. With the, with the player options. Yeah, like, in isolation. Like, Marvin's deal on its own is not a backbreaker. Nick's deal on its own is not a backbreaker. Yeah, the Nick deal. Uh, <laughs> it's not <cool>. great, but <laughs> it's, but um, but you can overcome one or two bad moves. It's that every contract that's seven figures or eight-figure contract is a bad contract right now, except for Kimbo's, but now this isn't here. So that was that was the problem.
1: You've just said it all. You've just said it all. <laughs> yeah. Every contract is bad except for Kembas and we don't have Canvas anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's Oh man. All right, well I know you gotta a, get back on the uh, free agency wire. Um report that old uh, Frank Kaminsky oh, yeah. uh sign. One that you guys have probably already read by the time you've heard this. Yeah, exactly. I gotta catch a a flight to California. I'll be back in two weeks, and yeah. uh, I'm sure something amazing will have happened. By then <laughs> and uh, the trade wouldn't have gone through. At least, at least you have a nice
0: two week vacation in California to clear your mind from the yeah. devastating sports news back here on the East Coast. We'll always have Charlotte Kemba. <laughs> it's not too late to change your mind. <laughs> you yeah, have five days. All right, guys, so uh, I guess we'll talk to you when Zach gets back from his long, luxurious vacation to California. Peace See out. You later.